Welcome to the Occupational Safety Leadership Podcast, episode number 96. In today's episode, we're going to have one of the uh, titans of the safety field out there. We have Ed Falk, who is a partner with Fisher, Fisher, uh, um, Fisher Phillips. He is a former assistant secretary of labor with OSHA and former chairman of the Occupational Safety and Review uh, Commission. So uh, today, Ed, I'd, I'd like to just kind of, uh, in a uh, overall, what would a brand new safety professional, since you were both in charge of uh, OSHA and on the legal side, really, really know about when a um, a OSHA inspector comes knocking? Yeah. Well, it's a good, I think it's a, a very critical, it should be not just good, but it's critical that every safety professional, but particularly the uh, uh, a new safety professional, understands what their rights uh, are when OSHA is conducting the inspection because uh, OSHA is not going to tell you your rights. Uh, OSHA is not going to uh, kind of lead you along the, along the road there. They're, they are going to lead you along a road, but it's not going to be the road that you want to end up in. Uh, but uh, so you need to know what, 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 what the rules are. What does OSHA, what authority does OSHA have? You know, what authority, what rights do we have as employers and all that thing ties into a, a lot of different things. Specifically, um, you know, if you're doing an inspection, I mean, the very first thing you should be asking if OSHA shows up is, uh, why are you here? And some people are afraid to even ask. It's kind of sad in a way, but a lot of safety professionals are afraid to say that to them. And, you know, if you've, if you've had a uh, fatality or a um, hospitalization of an employee, uh, or had an amputation, a work-related amputation, or actually, if it, or if you had a, a physical loss of an eye, you have certain requirements for fatalities. You have eight hours to contact OSHA. And I talk about work-related fatalities, and that's the, really the first thing too. Is you've got these requirements, you got to do. But the question is, if it's not, is it really work-related? You know, uh, then you need to you know, make, make that determination first before you re report it, but you have eight hours to report fatalities. You got 24 hours to report the hospitalization of one employee. And that means inpatient hospitalization. You know, if they just go to the emergency room and and they and they leave from there, that's not inpatient hospitalization. Now, uh, you know, so you have to kind of look at that. See, did they actually spend the night? Uh, did they actually do something other than diagnosis or or, or uh, they're just watching these, watching the persons? To see if they're okay, so you had to, and so you'd have to look and see did they have some actually some medical treatment of some form, and of course the amputation is pretty easy to determine. And well, I shouldn't say that, but it did, to a certain degree it is, uh, because is the definition of amputation under the record keeping standard for reporting is very broad, and so you need to you you need to be able to determine. But once again, is it work related? If it's not work related then you don't have to call it in. But if you call it in, I guarantee you, particularly on a fatality, particularly on an amputation, pro somewhat probable on, on hospitalization, physical loss of eye. I don't know. I've, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I've never had a person, a client's employees lose an eye. And that means a physical loss actually actually come out. So, but if you have those things, you need, really need to do it. And then the secondly is, now if you have a fatality, Please, now this may sound self-serving on my part, but it's not. If you have a fatality, a work-related fatality, you must retain legal counsel. 
you really you can't just wing this thing, okay? And particularly now in this administration, they are much more aggressive on all all these type of things, uh, particularly when they're doing the investigation. So we need to make sure that you got your stuff covered. And they're looking, they're looking to see if they can show that there's been a willful violation of an OSHA standard that resulted in the death. Because if they can show that, then they could uh, refer that to the Department of Justice as a criminal referral. So you don't want to be in that situation. That's why it's so critical you have an attorney, you have your attorney involved in these type of things. And second, and also, um, you know, so so, so the OSHA shows up, You get, that's kind of starts it there. You ask them, why are they there? And if you know, if you called in, you know, if you had had to kind of call in because one of those four things, well, you know why they're there. But you need to make sure that. And secondly, because you want to make sure they're not there on some type of emphasis program inspection, which expands the, generally expands the uh, OSHA inspection for a plant-wide ins, uh, inspection. So we want to avoid that situation. But you need to ask these things. And you cannot be afraid to ask because you got to know, if it's just a complaint inspection, then where's the complaint? Let me see a copy of the complaint because you're entitled to a copy of the complaint. Most people don't ever ask for that, which is kind of scary. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't ask for a copy of the complaint, you don't know what the scope of the inspection is. And you, once again, if you don't know the scope of the inspection, OSHA can start wandering around the whole darn plant and you got you don't know what, you know, you don't have any reason, to, you don't know what to do. Well, you can stop them if you have the, if it's a complaint inspection and it's limited to just that complaint area. So, um, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just important that you, um, uh, you know that up front because you can limit the inspection. Now, you know, if it's a fatality, once again, it's limited to where the inspection is. I had a fatality. I got a call last Saturday, uh, eight o'clock. One of my clients had a really serious injury. They, they thought that, uh, for sure, unfortunately they had a good, strong suspicion that he was going to die, which he unfortunately did. You know, and, um, you know, I was down there in th two and a half hours down from Atlanta to Birmingham. So, you, you, but you've got to be able to know right away what, what's going to happen. Now, OSHA didn't show up that day. They showed up on Monday. They called them. They, we had to call it in and they they called back on Sunday and actually it's Friday, Saturday night. And then I called on Sunday to schedule up the, the meeting. But once again, you got to know if you don't know these things, if it's, uh, if it's just a complaint or if it's a fatality or, or it's a hospitalization, whatever it is, or an amputation, well, that's going to be limited. They can't just go walking all over the plant. So you got to know that up front. I mean, nothing if nothing else, that, that's the most important thing. The other things you need to know if you're a brand new person or even if you're not, you know, uh, once again, um, you need to know, okay, how are we going to handle the uh, walk around it portion of it? Are we going to, are we going to, and we need to let them know up front. And I kind of tell my clients, I said, we got to, we got to set, tell them our, our, our guidelines. Here's our guidelines. Well, our guidelines are, first of all, um, if, if you're going to, and this is a part of the opening conference, because they're going to come in there and they're going to, they're going to, you're going to take them to a conference room and going to, they're going to tell you why they're there. Or you're going to ask them if you're gonna, why they're there. And then you set the guidelines. All right. What are the guidelines? Well, if you want to go out on, if you want to do a walk around in the plant, First of all, we're only going to limit to the, to what is the complaint or whatever it is, um, assuming that's not a, a, a an emphasis program which would open up the whole plant. But so we're going to limit to that area. If and you cannot walk around the plant by yourself, you have to have at least one and preferably two management officials with you at all times. 
and we're going to take the photograph. If you take a photograph, we're going to take the same one. So don't worry. Then the second, you know, if you want, if you want, if you got, um, if they want to, if they want to see documents, you're you're more than happy to provide the relevant documents. And if you if they're going to be more than like four or five of them, you probably should tell them. Listen, can you put this in writing as to what documents you want, so we make sure that we can get them. And also this way you can get your counsel involved and look at these, even if it's just you know on the side here that your counsel's looking at this, but it can at least tell you, okay, is this relevant to this particular inspection? Mm -hmm. Right, uh, right. You know, and so you can't, you know, so you got to know if they're asking for HASCOM documents and you're not dealing with things with hazardous chemicals, well, it's not relevant. And also the time period sometimes they're asking for, you got to be, you know, you got to shrink it down. You got to be willing to stand your ground and say, you've asked us for training records for five years. Well, that's not, that's just, uh, that's just, that's too gross. That's that's not that's not appropriate, and it's overburdensome, and we're not going to do that. So we're going to you know we'll give you the, for two years maybe maybe eighteen months. Uh, it says you're going to have to decide there. But once again, you want to limit the you want to maintain control of the inspection the entire time. The third ground rule is that if you want to interview anybody, we're not going to interview them on the uh, in the work site. We're going to bring you back here to this conference room. You tell us who you want to interview, and we're going to make sure that uh, we'll, we'll make them available. If you want to interview management officials, then you can't do that unless you uh, we have another management person present during the interview, and we're going to insist on that. And don't even and one thing, please don't even bother if on management people and supervisors. Don't ask them to sign anything because we're not allowing them. Now that's something nobody wants to. Those those safety professionals are going to want to say to OSHA, but that's what I say all the time. I'm sorry, this guy, a supervisor or a manager, it, whatever his comments are, are binding on the company, and we're not going to let him sign any type of statement. Uh, but people are afraid to do that, but they can't. You got to know you you know once again once you, you know your rights, know your rights, and that's why it's important. Thank you. Yeah, that, 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 oh, that is some fantastic. Um, insight. Uh, I know that when I was a young safety professional, uh, I never would have thought to ask about scope. I probably would have been so scared that I would have uh, offered them a, a, um, a cup of coffee and let's just get started. You know, so um, while that we're while that we're kind of kind of on that, um, how do you feel about if uh, asking for a warrant or not asking for a warrant? Well, it just depends. Normally, I would say no warrant is needed. No, no on the warrant. But you know, if it's if you have a catastrophic accident or if you have a fatality, uh, you may need to, or you know, maybe particularly on catastrophic accidents, you get a number of people seriously injured or killed. You know, uh, I remember when I was at OSHA, we had a a, a serious accident at the um, at the uh, where was it the um, it was a sugar manufacturing plant in Savannah. Mm -hmm. They had an explosion. And it killed several people, unfortunately. And you know what? Who were there? Who was there? Who, who was there? Almost, you know. Well, you got the police there. Then you got the EMTs there. And because you got the fire the explosion, you got a fire. You got the fire department there. Uh, you then have, uh, of course, we were there. We have an office. OSHA had an office in Savannah, so we OSHA was there probably within an hour of the accident. So and and so and then, um, 
to the state EPA because they were pouring water on the fire and the water was draining into the Savannah River because it was right on the river. And uh, so they had those people there. And then the next day, the uh, Chemical Safety Board showed up. You know, that's a lot to handle, especially if you're not prepared. But that's the other thing you should be doing. Every safety professional should be able to or should be aware to be uh, know what to do to deal with a catastrophic accident. You've got to have an emergency action plan in place. And then part of that emergency action plan is, you know, first of all, identifying <laughs> is everybody who's who's not accountable. We want to know who's we want to show everybody's accountable. You know, we want to know if we're going to be dealing with, if we're going to be uh, doing statements. And the media came, the media was there probably in a half hour with all their trucks and they kept growing. Uh, and um, so you want to, has, who's, you got to know, you got to know in advance, what are you going to, how are you going to handle the media? How are you going to handle each one of these different government agencies? Because they're all asking for information. And there right. was one access. And of course, uh, one of the things is within two hours, I think it was two or three hours of, of this, that explosion, the, the uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms showed up. And they declared it as a, a, um, a, a crime scene and wouldn't let anybody go in. Oh, interesting. So you couldn't, uh, you couldn't. And I, we were there, we were already there. And my area director was there and he called me and said, well, ATF just showed up and said, "Well, you, we're this is a crime scene. We have to, we're we're closing it, locking it down, and you can't go in." And I said, "Well, listen, you need to tell. Them. We got we got one of the guys that was there was a structural engineer, you know, and this place was still so, you know, was kind of was not safe, and uh, you know, and uh, I we I told him, so I said, "Well, have you told them that they, we got to strike somebody that can help them and protect their employees too?" And they said, "Yeah, but they said." Don't you know? Don't uh, don't bother us. We're we're we're. This is a crime scene, so don't bother us. And so I said, well, why don't you put him on the line? I'll talk to him. And said, you know, and he was very nice and said, sorry, Mr. Assistant Secretary, but this is a crime scene now, and uh, we're not letting anybody in. I said, well, we we want to just help you protect your employees because there's a danger, a lot of danger there. He said, well, thank you very much. Really appreciate that, but no thanks. You know, and it, it all came down that they had guns and we didn't. So we had. Right. So. Right. So um, what kind of crime? Um, how did they classify that crime? Pardon me? How did they? Uh, so how how did they classify that crime? Did they did they did they did they call it? Well, actually, I I I don't know what you know, enough crime, about legal. They had to determine that there's been that the explosion was a result of terrorist oh gotcha gotcha homeland security would probably been there now right 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 which is before 9 11. right 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 um you know they they were just going to see was there was there foul play somehow okay disgruntled employee that started the fire somehow Hmm. okay they're looking at how the fire started and how the the explosion started and all that but then it became a big issue on combustible dust that's where you know I got to testify a bunch of times on the Hill about combustible dust, and I actually got to be on 60 Minutes regarding combustible dust as a result of that. So, but, you know. Very good, very good. Let's talk about um, um, about scope of the um, inspection. So we, we've kind of we've talked about how um, 
so there's been a uh, complaint against against the company. And let's just uh, say for the sake of argument, the uh, person says that they um, are um, exposed to hazardous chemicals, right? And so now they're on they're on site and they're going to go look at the chemical lab. Um, could they look at a forklift? Could they could they somehow wander off and say, well, I see I see I yeah, see a driver who's moving chemicals with a forklift. Well, that's why you want to maintain control at the entire time and know know what your rights are. The answer is yes. If you're not maintaining control and you're allowing them to kind of wander off from different places and they see somebody on a forklift truck, maybe not operating correctly or not wearing a seatbelt or whatever, uh, OSHA has the plain view doctrine there, which allows their inspectors, if they see something in plain view where they are, then they can go that way. They can go there uh, and and inspect that. Now, of course, when they go there, now they, they're off their now at a different place, and now they could be seeing other things that they might consider to be a safety health, safety or health hazard, and they could. They, that's how that's how they kind of expand the inspection. The other way they expand inspection is a lot of times during the you know the employee interviews. Uh, the employee interviews, uh, they'll ask them questions, and of course, they're they're not you know uh, they're not. We're not in there because if it's an hour employee. OSHA takes a position that the company management people can't be in there. Now the employees can ask for a manager or actually, or ask for another employee, or if they have a union, they could ask for the union rep. And um, so, uh, so that's one way, but once again, if those people aren't going to know that, well, he's asking questions about, you know, this is a a explosion. And now he's asking questions about lockout tag out and has come. And now he gets more, he gets information about those things, which leads him to think that that's not, we don't have a good program. And now he can open up that based on his, just his interviews of the uh, employees. So once again, employee interviews have to be very careful and you, and you need to let your employees know what their rights are. You know, they, you need to tell them, Hey, tell the truth. Nothing more than anything else. You're going to tell the truth. We don't want to, we don't want you to lie at all. We want you to tell the truth. Now, but you're going to be asked questions, listen to the question, answer the question. Don't guess, don't speculate, you know, um, you know, and that's unfortunately that's, that happens a lot. So, it, so you, you need to a certain degree advise your hourly employees about their rights, you know, including they don't have to sign anything and they're going to be pressured to sign a statement because you remember, oh. you got to remember too the, it's the ocean inspector who's writing out the statement and he knows kind of what he's trying to get to, to get a violation. So he may be slanting the, like uh, what he's writing down there to, to prove a violation. So you need to tell your employees, listen, when, if you, he's going to ask you to sign a, a statement, you don't have to sign if you don't want to. We're, we're not telling you you have to, we're not telling you no, don't have to. It's up to you, but we want you to tell the truth. But if you're going to sign something, you better make sure that what you said is what he or she wrote down. And then also asking for a copy of the statement. And a lot, most of the time, employers don't tell their employees that either. So I don't think that I, I don't think that I ever had ever known that or, or ever heard about that before. So that's something that I've been doing uh, safety for 30 years and I had never heard before, Ed. So um, this, this is, has really been proven to be a, a really nice eye 
eye-opening experience for uh, me too, just to kind of sit down and think about how do I go back and train my folks? And I'm also tackling multiple multiple sites. So they might be showing up at a site that I'm not there at. Right. So I need, I need to train well, that very first thing. person. Yeah, you need to have somebody there. Now, if you can get to your... OSHA has a, a, a one-hour rule that if if you're waiting for a management person or a safety person, a safety manager to come, they will wait uh, if they have one hour uh, for him him or her to get there. And if they don't, then they'll take that as a refusal to entry, a refusal of entry, and mm. to get a subpoena. Get, uh, get a subpoena. Usually, I just tell my people, listen, get your safety. If you can't, if it's good, if they're going to be, you know, an hour and ten minutes, you just tell them, hey, we got somebody on our way. We're going to do that. And we're not going to, uh, we're not going to, um, you know, we don't need a warrant here. Some people want it, you know, some, some employers want to use a warrant. They feel safer about that. But like going back to the question, you know, with respect to that explosion and all those people, all those different agencies, you kind of ha- almost have to get a subpoena because you're just inundated. You got to be able to, you know, you got to have put something off for a time. Like it'll take a day to get a subpoena normally. Right, right, right. And that might that might that might help to um that might help to add some focus to you uh to uh you guys also as well, because if if there's a lot of a lot of people, the company can only answer so so many questions so fast, along yeah. with gather up the documents, uh, make people available for interviews, all that stuff then. All that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Well, let's let's. Uh, so we've already kind of talked about whether to have a warrant or not. We went over the whole scope and and everything. Um, what do we talk about taking um, about taking pictures? Would you recommend taking a picture on your cell phone or taking a picture on the old style film? Well, I don't you know. There's much. I don't think there's very much old style film anymore. It's all a digital. That is true. <laughs> right. right. So, um, I, and I think the cameras, the cameras in the cell phones now are so advanced that, I mean, they say you can do film vid. You can make your own movies on there. So, uh, so I would say uh, as long as you're doing that, but you do need you need to you need to tell OSHA that you know if they're going to take a picture, you want to know about it, so you can take the exact same picture. Right, and that's that's one of the that's one of the ground rules. Another ground rule we, we didn't mention I should have mentioned is if they want to do any type of monitoring, air or 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 well, mostly air. It could be, um, I guess, other water or something like that. But mostly it's air monitoring. Um, the answer is um, we we will we will allow you to do air, we'll do monitoring, uh, noise monitoring, air monitoring, whatever. Um, However, only when we have our person in place to be able to do it side by side, we were not going to do it, you know, because a lot of times they'll tell you this is the, this is the, the other ploy they use sometimes. Well, we're going to do monitoring. And uh, you say, well, I don't you know, we don't have our person here. We have to do it some other time. And said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do our monitoring today and you all can do yours tomorrow. Mm, that ain't yeah, you can't do that. Right. Well, they can, and I have, I have clients that have done that where I got brought in late in the game. But so you need to know. No, the answer is we only do monitoring when we can do side by side. If we can't do side by side, you're not monitoring. Mm-hmm. And so it might take us a couple of days to get uh, a industrial hygienist to come here and be able to monitor at the same time. But we want to know what you're going to monitor. 
you know, what is the medium you're going to be using so we can do the same thing? It has to be apples to apples. If you go in and uh, if you go in and allow OSHA to do monitoring and you come the next day and you, your results show that you're under the exposure level, but they're show you're, they're above the exposure level, which not be not that could be a not a, that could be happening a lot because mm -hmm. their their equipment is old. Uh, sometimes they don't calibrate it properly and they're actually sucking in more air, so the numbers will be higher. So you need to do that. You need to have an industrial hygienist there with you. I tell them, I said, listen, we're, we're going to do side by side. And then I talk to our, whoever our industrial hygienist is going to be. And I say, okay, this is what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to be there a half hour before we know OSHA is going to be there. I want to make sure all your pumps are calibrated. I want to make sure you have the right media. I want you, uh, and then I want you to get ready. So when OSHA shows up, you can check to see if their calibration is correct. Uh, and then we also, I want you to take pictures of where they place their monitor, where they place them. The, the pump is going to be on the back um, belt loop. But, uh, you know, where they place the cassette, I'm going to put a little, if it's here, I mean, it's supposed to be a certain place, uh, depending on what you're monitoring. Right, but right, right. They, but they may put it, you know, out at a place where it, you're going, they're going to get a higher reading and it's not the right place where they're supposed to be doing Right. You know, and if they also did a um, and if they also did some kind of like stationary test, that's not a real test on a person. That's a that's a test on a point right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not the same thing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Right. 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 Wed, this is, has been fantastic. We didn't cover a quarter of what I wanted to cover. So I hope that I can somehow can convince you to come back in the future. And uh, we'll go ahead and cover and cover a couple more topics, a lot more scenarios. Um, so tell tell the folks how to go ahead there uh, um, and um, and find you. Okay. Again, my name is Ed Polk uh, it, and uh, Fisher Phillips. Uh, you can call me, or well, you can call me on my my uh, my direct number at four four two four zero four two seven three, or my email is efolk, E-F-O-U-L-K-E, at fisherphillips.com. So, and if you can't find me that way, just you can Google uh, Fisher Phillips and look at look for me in the, uh, you can pull up attorneys and pull up my name. So, and that has my whole bio and everything else, contact information. Perfect, Ed. Perfect. Thank you so, 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 uh, thank you so much, Ed, uh, for joining me today. All right. Happy to do it. All right, Ed. Thanks. You have, have a great, great day. day. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Awesome, Ed. See ya. Right. Bye.